This is an ABC podcast. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. Spotify, easily one of the most recognisable brands for young people. Easily. For years, it's been getting bigger and bigger. And if I said to you, think of a successful company you'd probably think of something like Spotify or maybe Microsoft, Google, Amazon, all these huge names, businesses that have been booming for years. Until now, the streaming giant Spotify is laying off 6% of its workers and those other companies that I mentioned also shedding staff. Why is this happening? Well, a bit later, you're going to hear about what is going on in the tech sector because this is across the entire industry and it's hitting here in Australia as well and how this dramatic turnaround could impact the future of tech. First though, a story that's dominating the headlines. Crime is increasing and Alice Springs is becoming a really tricky place to live in. When I talk to the kids, they're hurting. They're hurting inside, deep inside. They don't think they're going to live to see tomorrow. On Triple J. We're heading to Alice Springs, where a crisis is unfolding. You might have heard about it. It's so bad. The Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, visited today after a lot of pressure from the community and other politicians. The problem is crime, and more specifically, alcohol-fueled violence. People being bashed, homes, cars, businesses being smashed up, a spike in domestic violence. Things have got a whole lot worse over the past few weeks and locals say it is young people wreaking havoc in the community. In a bit, we're going to hear from some Alice Springs locals, but first, here's Angel Parsons to explain what's going on. We should be in the business of preventing, not just responding to these horrible circumstances. It needs to be addressed. It's an absolute matter of urgency. You're hearing there from the federal opposition leader, Peter Dutton. He's speaking about a huge problem happening in Alice Springs, rising crime rates and alcohol-fuelled violence. He, along with other community leaders, have said the issue is so dire, the Prime Minister should be there and make sure something is done about it. And the Prime Minister has the resources, has the ability. Anthony Albanese flew to the town in Central Australia today and has met with community leaders. But how did we get to this point? Well, it's a long-running and complex issue, one that's not just happening in Alice Springs, mind you. But the latest figures we have that break down crime in the town were released by Northern Territory Police last week, and everyone agrees they're pretty concerning. For example, there was a 43% increase in assaults in the year leading to November last year. Commercial break-ins rose by 55% and property damage reports were up by nearly 60. So basically, crime's been on the rise and it's having a huge impact on local businesses and residents. Meanwhile, long-term bans on alcohol were lifted in dozens of remote communities last year. The six-month anniversary of the lifting of those measures, uh, that that concluded on Monday last week. This is the Northern Territory's Police Commissioner, Jamie Chalker. Uh, My team have been working to gather the data around that and what they're providing the information to me at the moment is early indication is that we have seen a significant increase in alcohol-related harm uh, since those changes were in place. He reckons alcohol is totally part of the problem, but there are also deeper social and welfare issues at play here. This is not simply a police matter. This is a matter that has inherent service delivery issues, but at its root cause, alcohol is a problem that we see prevalent in the offending. But what is driving it? What are the triggers that are seeing such alcohol consumption? 
But should something more be done about the sale of liquor in the NT, which already has some of the tightest alcohol regulations in the country? The CEO of the Central Australian Aboriginal Congress, Donna Archie, reckons restrictions should be reassessed. For me, I don't care whether it's the NT government or the Commonwealth or together, they need to do something about availability and reducing the supply of alcohol in this town. Peter Dutton and the town's mayor, Matt Patterson, have even called for defence and federal police to get involved. But Police Commissioner Jamie Chalker doesn't agree with that. I'm not sure that the imagery of Australian soldiers who are here to serve their country, uh, dealing with First Nations people in a way that sees them having to affect arrests of them and place them in police vehicles and the like, is the imagery that we, we really want for Australia. And he's reiterated the long-running issue needs a solution that doesn't just involve police. We've got the highest consumption per capita of anywhere in the, in the country. We've got the highest levels of family domestic violence of anywhere in the country. That hasn't occurred overnight. That's been in place for decades. Hack on Triple J. Angel Parsons with that update. Well, it's time, I reckon, to actually hear from the Alice Springs community, locals, because they're the ones dealing with these issues every day. I want to start with the local politician. Marley Banks is on Alice Springs Council. She's a councillor there, and she's with us now. Hey, Marley, thanks for joining us on Hack. Thanks for having me on Hack. Look, we're hearing a lot about youth crime in your community at the moment. Um, we've got the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, out there calling it the biggest issue in Australia at the moment. We've got the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, flying in to see what's happening. Can you explain for people in other parts of the country how bad this is and what's happening in Alice Springs? Well, I can definitely relate to the comments made in the media because for Alice Springs residents, this is the worst thing that is happening facing Alice Springs, but for individuals, for families, for business owners, everybody feels deeply about this issue. People are invested in this town, but also the line has shifted so far that violence and antisocial behaviour has become a part of life. And has it noticeably got worse in recent months? actually weeks and so summer's always an escalated um, time that we find that our uh, crime stats spike over summer Um, and we have had implementation of programs that we were hopeful would have some impact this summer but certainly over the last three weeks um, the elevated levels have skyrocketed and you know we find ourselves now in extreme circumstances where people that ordinarily coming back from holidays would be really pumped to get back home, ready to get into the year, but people are um, just in despair, distraught, wanting to leave. Um, I've heard that nurses are looking to hit, like, out within a month. Um, our hospital's running at 50% capacity. Um, our other services are struggling to find staff. It, there is no reason right now to come to Alice Springs because this issue is dominating So you were elected to council wanting to make Alice Springs more safe, diverse. How do you see that happening in the long run? I mean, this must be a huge issue that all councillors are looking at, hearing from people in the community and really struggling to figure out a a solution to. Absolutely. And like local government should be a um, government of the people. Uh, And elected in 2017, coming in, we made moves within council to try and get a voice to council, which looked like working with local Indigenous people, elders in the community, um, people that have um, senior authority in the community to uh, make inroads into 
what was then 2017 issues of Kids on the Street and that was looking at making sure working with local people to look at um, utilising their knowledge to engage um, young people and find those um, alternatives. So that's five and a half years ago. So the conversation continues to repeat um, but certainly it has, there has been a number of markers along the way. Um, I think it was in 2019 we saw a loss of life which was a hit and run of a man and some young people. You know, it, it, there's been a number of markers that keeps pushing the line and the line as far as where I stand, I've always been very understanding of the, um, that the crime that we're facing is a symptom of the underlying issues. But the reality of where we're at right now is we are at critical, uh, critical point is that we don't have the resources. We don't have the people and people are looking to get out, which means that no matter what, good plan that we have in front of us, right at this point in time, we are under-resourced and so it's, a bit, it's frightening for people and, uh, you know, um, pushing forward um, with Council today to really to drive that we need an, an immediate circuit breaker so that we can actually look at ways that um, we can move forward. So you were mentioning there like a, a, an Indigenous voice to Council, kind of um, along the lines of what we're talking about at a national level, an Indigenous voice That's to Parliament. Right. That's right. And it failed because it wasn't consulted properly with people. And so any any voice to anywhere is only going to work if um, proper consultation happens. And, you know, so we'll be looking at the complex of, like, what is the solutions out of it? I don't necessarily think that the what's down on paper is wrong necessarily, but what we tend to lack is the um, willpower and the goodwill to, to, to actually to put programs forward. So the issues lie in proper consultation, which leads to um, outcomes that everybody can um, benefit from. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking to Councillor Marley Banks from Alice Springs about a youth crime crisis that's making headlines at the moment. It's been a problem for a while now. Uh, Councillor Banks, there are youth services in Alice Springs, uh, people out there trying to do their best to help young people to speak with them. What do you think about those services? Do you think it's a case of they're just not working, they're not enough, there needs to be more resources? What's the problem there? I think that we've kind of, out of good intention, we've kind of got to a place, and this is my opinion, that um, we've got to a, almost a babysitting service where there's actually... Uh, not, and I've seen that firsthand over the summer that we, in good faith, um, put on programs to try and entertain and wear out young people. But ultimately, it just it looks like a babysitting service. And I mean that without no dis, um, disrespect to people that have best intentions, but I do think that these programs don't actually achieve the long-term goals that we need to. We need to look at models that strengthen family units. We need to make sure that those people that are responsible for young people are held accountable and re-engaged and given opportunities to have meaningful um, interactions with the community uh, through employment, education and pathways that um, really give uh, realistic um, goals for people to work forward, but they can then reform these family structures which have been eroded. And Molly, just finally, I mean, what do you think of this becoming a national debate, something that's affecting your community now? Um, the biggest headline in the country, we've got the, your mayor calling for the army or federal police to be deployed to help with um, what's going on there. We've got federal politicians flying in. How does that feel? Look, ultimately, it's really a sad position to be in. Um, 
you know, I utilise my position to uh, to shine a light and to draw awareness. But you know, Alice Springs is such a wonderful place, and you know, most people that are suffering under this are saying that they know that the town is wonderful, and ultimately we're going to get back to some good point. But in answer to your question, like it's deeply saddening that we have got to this point whereby people are terrified to live in their homes and to, um, you know, to invest in the town or stay invested in the town and that people aren't willing to um, visit or come to work in a place. It's actually, you know, it's so sad that it takes this, you know, extreme point to get to in order to, you know, get the attention and I hope that we're able to get to a point that we're able to, um, you know, have a conversation again in the future that we're actually talking about positive um, programs that are coming out of this um, you know, I guess intervention of ideas for um, lack of better words to um, move us to a more positive space. All right, Alice Springs Councillor Marley Banks, thanks so much for joining us on Hack. Thanks for your time. Hack on Triple J. And yeah, on the text line, someone says this, the problem is what they've been doing doesn't work or it hasn't worked. A community problem needs a community solution. This is Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. We're focusing on Alice Springs today and what's being called a youth crime crisis that's devastating the community. You would have heard about it. And not just Alice Springs, in other communities across the north of Australia, there are similar issues. And so far we've heard from politicians, from police, local officials, we just heard there from a councillor. There is a voice that's missing, though, in all of this, and that's the voice of the youth. Who's speaking to these young people? Well, someone who is, is Kira Voller. She's kind of become a bit of a youth advocate in Alice Springs. Kira is the sister of Dylan Voller, and you might remember his treatment in youth detention years ago helped trigger a royal commission into the issue in the Northern Territory. She's with us now. Kira, thanks for your time. Hello, no worries. What are young people in Alice Springs telling you? You're out and about, you're speaking to them. Um, A lot of this commentary that we're hearing in the media is from people who are probably not speaking to young people. What are they telling you? Um, So, yeah, I guess it's it's just been a role that I've just been put into um, by being a teacher in town here and working closely with a lot of the kids. Um, And they know that that I'm a safe person to come with. So when I see them around town... um, they're telling me that that town's racist. And this comes from, you know, a lot of a lot of time working with them and talking to them. It's not like you can't just walk straight up to them and ask them what's the problem. But this has been a build of um, you know, relationship between me and a lot of the young people in town. I did an interview previously with ABC and they asked me what young people had said and I sort of went around and, and spoke to some of the kids that I worked to worked with. And they were saying that um basically that town is racist and then I tried to like sort of dive deeper into that with them and what does that mean and you know a lot of what they can say is just that it's racist and they don't feel accepted and safe and then I guess that then turns into them being not allowed into shops and segregation and then that can turn into hate and anger for for the town on their part I guess they don't really have a place except for the youth centres we heard from an Alice Springs councillor before who said youth services in the area have become kind of like babysitting services. And she said, even though they mean well, um, you know, they're, they're not doing everything they could be, or maybe they don't have the resources to. Do you think that there does need to be big improvements in the services that are available for young people in Alice Springs? Definitely. I think if you look at it in the whole town, we have pretty much two spaces that kids 
the kids that are at risk walking the streets can access and go to get a meal and a lift home and hang out. And I think for the amount of kids that we have walking around um, and that don't have a a safe place to go to, I think that that needs to be expanded and that they need to have more spaces and more, um, more opportunities within those spaces. That's not just a meal and a lift home. I think that they, they have the opportunity to be able to actually engage with these kids and figure out, talk to them and give them and their voices a platform. Are these young people saying anything else to you, Kira, about what they would like to see? Like you said before, um, you know, that they were saying that they ha- had real concerns about the community being racist. There's a lot of um, talk in the media about um, access to alcohol being uh, a driving problem. What are they telling you? Of course, I think alcohol has changed things recently since the intervention laws all changed. But even when the intervention was in place, alcohol was a big issue. It was just private sale and people were selling alcohol from their homes. And so I think the only thing that's changed now is that people can buy alcohol a lot cheaper than that they have been buying it, you know, on the black market and whatever. In that context, alcohol has a little bit to play, but it's not that's not the cause of the issue. And I think the problem is that we're looking at this as a youth crime issue and not looking at the reasons behind the youth crime and and actually speaking to the young people. Like, I mean, a couple of other things that they've, some young people have said to me in the past is that they, you know, like being a teacher, I try to ask kids to tell me what they want to be when they're older. And um, one of the big things that I've noticed is that these kids that I work with, they don't, see beyond the next five minutes or the next 24 hours and so that's I think if we can help these kids dream and see see a future that they see themselves accepted into then that's that's a huge step forward because um if young people aren't seeing themselves alive tomorrow that leaves them open for a lot of wrong choices you're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with Kira Vola uh, from Alice Springs, who's, you know, got a lot of roles in the community, but one of those is really a youth advocate. She's out there speaking with young people. Kira, what do you think about this becoming a national issue now? Because a lot of people are weighing in. Um, and I was listening to like a council meeting earlier today where community members were speaking. And there was a real concern that people who didn't know Alice Springs would start to influence what was happening in Alice Springs and there would be all these external influences. What do you think? I think um, I think if it was to be made a national issue, I think it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. But um, again, just looking at it as a youth crime issue is when it becomes a problem because there's so many complex layers to what that youth crime issue is and the fact that it's not just youth crime. There's so many layers to that. And so I think if it was to be a national thing, then there's a lot of Indigenous people all over the country that have helped to advocate for things like the intervention. But, you know, there's a lot of Indigenous people still healing from the traumas that 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 left and created for Indigenous communities in the NT. And also those Indigenous people have had platforms in other places that they'd they were able to use their voices on a national platform. So I think that if it was to become a national issue, um, it could be positive as long as they're looking at the root causes and not just labelling it as a youth crime issue. Well, I guess the other big worry is that this could become like a political football used by politicians to score points and stuff instead of actually solving uh, and dealing with what is a really big problem. Yeah, I can see that. 
that happening, that's for sure. I mean, politicians love to just use Indigenous issues to help their political gain. Um, and I can see that this becoming one of those things, especially here within Alice Springs. Um, but again, yeah, I think if, if people are talking to the right people and giving the young people a voice and Indigenous leaders a voice and a platform to be able to express their concerns, I think that it could be really positive. After the NT Royal Commission into Youth Detention a few years ago, there was a lot of hope and promises that things would change for the better, that that would be a line in the sand. Looking back, like years later, what do you think about what has changed and and what hasn't? Nothing. Nothing's changed. There's not one Royal Commission recommendation had been implemented. And, you know, that's the other thing is that these kids aren't dumb. They've seen, they've, they've all got family members who have been getting payouts from when they were young and incarcerated. And, you know, they see that the government called a Royal Commission and they brought all this evidence to surface that said that they were failing these young people who are now probably uncles and aunties and big brothers of the young people that are running amok today. And I think that's another you know, aspect of this is that these young people aren't dumb. I'm not saying that this is, you know, a rebellious thing against all of that, but they're not dumb in the fact that they know that nothing's changed and that nothing is going to change. And so I guess this is probably a way for them to be like, like a call out for help. You know, it's, it's young people rebelling against everything just to try to be heard and they don't know how to get their voices heard. And you see it when you walk around town, like I see it because I'm one of those safe people that kids can come to, you know, I'll give them $5 or $10 or buy them some Maccas. And there's other people in this town that do that as well. And it's not hard to see the kids' connection and the way that they connect with those people in town as opposed to a shopkeeper who's looking at them because they're black. So I think, um, yeah, in terms of the Royal Commission, nothing's, nothing's changed. Our kids are still getting locked up at rates unimaginable and Dondale still hasn't been closed down. And um, I think that's something that definitely has to be looked into. So Kira, you got like the Prime Minister in Alice Springs at the moment. Country's attention is focused on your community. What would you say if you what would you say to the Prime Minister about what you need? I mean, it would just be that. Speak speak to the young people. They, they need to get down on their level and not just make this a political issue or a political gain movement um, if they really want to get to the cause and the problem and, like, to fix, find a solution for it, that they need to give the young people a voice and give them opportunities to have a voice in this town, not just Band-Aid methods like funneling funding into youth services, but actually asking the young people what they need. Youth advocate Kira Vola, thank you so much for joining us on Hack. No worries. Hack on Triple J. You know, we've got a lot of comments coming through on this. Somebody on the text line says, sounds like a perfect example of something the Indigenous Voice to Parliament could help with. Another person says, I wonder how trauma from the NT intervention, youth detention violence have affected local young people. Somebody else says they agree with Kira. They say, how about you do things like fund youth diversion and free programs, open the swimming pool for free at nights, run after school programs and sports, things like that. And another person says, more funding is needed in the first 2,000 days to help support young families during pregnancy and early childhood. Prevention is better than the cure. But for now, we'll move on. 
hack. Some breaking news just moments ago on Microsoft. Kayleigh Lice has more. Hey, Kayleigh. Yep, 10,000 jobs being cut by Microsoft, or roughly 5% of the company's workforce. Big tech layoffs rolling in. Spotify, the latest the time in its belt, with plans to cut 6% of its employees. The CEO had this to say, an effort to drive more efficiency, control costs, and speed up decision-making. Now to that announcement from Google this morning. The tech giant planning to slash 12,000 jobs. It is the latest round of layoffs that impact technology jobs, and the companies join a number of others in their industry, including Facebook parent Meta, Netflix, Tesla, and Amazon. On Triple J. Yeah, it's pretty rough out there in the tech industry. You might have seen the news that Spotify is laying off 6% of its workforce. That's about 600 people. And we've seen other big companies, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, they're also slashing jobs. More than 100,000 jobs are thought to have been lost in tech over the past year. So what is happening? Because things seem to be going really well for this industry for a long time. One of the few industries during the pandemic that was kind of booming. And these are some of the biggest companies in the world. Well, let's dig into it. Dr. Belinda Barnett is a senior lecturer in media at Swinburne, and she's with us now. Dr. Barnett, thanks for joining us on Hack. Hi, how are you going? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. I'm wondering, though, why are we seeing all these job losses in big tech? Well, the main reason that they've been happening uh, in the last year or so is um, that the hiring spree that these major platforms went through during the early stages of the pandemic um, is proving to be a bit optimistic for them. So we're seeing, we obviously haven't come out of the pandemic yet, but around the world we're seeing people starting to go back to work in person and kind of change their behavior a bit they're not buying products online as much or spending as much time online so this boom that they experienced at the start of the pandemic the digital platforms hasn't that that what that ended up not being the the new normal for them and so it's a, it's a it's an adjustment really and uh, the companies have mostly come out and admitted that perhaps they didn't that they were a bit optimistic in how many people they hired they yeah. didn't read the tea leaves well yeah. and i'm guessing it's mainly young people who are affected by these job losses right oh for sure companies like google and meta in particular and spotify the, the people who work there, the tech workers, are generally speaking younger and they probably haven't experienced a contraction in the tech industry like this either because they're so young. I guess older people like myself can remember the dot-com boom and we know that it comes in cycles. Um, but there's been this long period of growth eternal growth, it seemed at the time, say five or six years ago, in the tech sector. So you can understand the optimism that these workers would have had. But yeah, we're, we're seeing a contraction now. So what does all this mean for the future of the tech sector? Because when you hear about so many jobs being lost, like I said, more than 100,000 over the past 12 months, you think, well, is it going to mean less innovation? Is it going to mean that things are going to take a real downward turn in that sense? Well, with a contraction, it's very difficult for the people who lose their jobs, obviously, particularly in this economic climate. But at the same time, if you look to previous um, contractions in the tech sector, like the dot-com boom, 
that actually provided an opportunity for new companies to come to the surface and get like Google, for example, which has just laid off half, 6% sorry, of its workforce. So during the dot-com boom, it um, profited or it um, benefited from the collapse of some other uh, larger, more shaky technology companies at the time. So you could see that it, you know, it has its benefits as well. But you can't say that to someone who's just received a, a, an email from Twitter saying they're locked out and don't have a job. So uh, it it would be really a difficult time to live through right now if you're a young person in the tech sector. For sure. Uh, and, and I mean, are we expecting this to get a lot worse before it gets better? Um, I'm not entirely sure how bad it will get, but I can I can say with reasonable certainty that it will come back again because it is cyclical. It, it goes on, say, 10 to 15-year cycles of contraction and expansion and contraction and expansion. And we're heading into a, a period now where there will be a contraction, but if you're working in IT and you're a young person, that's where the future is. You definitely, you, you're, you're in a good sector. I wouldn't be leaving the sector. Right, okay. Well, definitely interesting stuff and people are going to be keeping a close eye on it, especially young people who are really interested in, in tech and want to know uh, what's going on there. A lot of them employed by that sector, as you say. Dr Belinda Barnett from Swinburne, thank you very much for breaking that all down with us on Hack. Thank you. And that's all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time. Hack on Triple J.